Hey there, Kevin Colby here, and welcome to another episode of the Pro Creative Video Podcast. I am so excited to have my guest on today. Now, this may be somebody you haven't seen, and I, maybe you don't know, even though he's, he's on the screen right now if you're watching the video, but I bet you, I bet you you've seen his work. This, ladies and gentlemen, I'm excited to welcome Jeff Barch. How are you? I am stoked, dude. Looking forward to this. Now, I kind of I kind of set you up for people who are like, well, how would I know him if I haven't met him? So mm -hmm. why don't you give us just kind of a, a brief bio of some of the cool stuff I know you've done, but other people are going to go like, well, dang, that's pretty sweet. Sure. Well, basically, uh, well, first of all, my name is Jeff Birch, and my background is in broadcast television. And... Right now, I'm taking, you know, the main thing that I'm doing right now is taking what I've learned from the world of broadcast entertainment industry in Los Angeles and Hollywood, and I'm using that to help creators create what they, you know, shape what they do and create more impact in their content and in themselves. So where this started is within my entertainment industry experience, where most of, most of which was me editing television. And uh, the thing about professional television editors is we often work for years and years and years and years working on hundreds and even thousands of hours of television that only very small percentages of the public world has ever actually seen. But um, there are some shows that folks tend to latch on to. Uh, one of the first shows that people recognized was uh, a show on ABC back in the day called Super Nanny where the British nanny comes over and helps American families, you know, pull their families back into shape before they go insane and throw themselves or jump out the window themselves. And then uh, the other, the most credit that people can catch on to is the show on NBC called American Ninja Warrior. And it's all about, it's showing ordinary, it, it, the idea of American Ninja Warrior is ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And it's all about, people competing on this ridiculous, as in Japanese game show style, ridiculous obstacle course and seeing how far they can get and uh, seeing what obstacles they can overcome along the way. Yeah. And I think I told you that, um, you know, my family and I started watching First of all, you know, people can shame me all they want. I, I like reality TV, even though it's not really that re real reality so. television has gotten a lot better over the last 10 to five years than it used to be. That's true. It's That's true. Most of the garbage. Well, a large percentage of the garbage <laughs> has just died. Yeah. yeah. Thankfully. Now, you know, I, I worked for a Fox TV station for a long time and, you know, I will say, I think they helped put, you know, like the music genre on the map with American Idol Mm -hmm. Um, but then, you know, Fox was, Fox was known for like, just let's do, let's do a cheesy ripoff of something else. Like you mentioned super nanny. I forgot they had yes. one that was, they that had was a nanny nine one one. Yes. Which, yeah. which I happen to know they, they, you know, ABC announced super nanny and Fox just threw massive piles of bodies and people at this show called nanny nine one one to get it on the air. And, and I, at this point, I forget whether it was, whether it, whether they actually won or not, but 
Oh yeah, that, Fox yeah. has been doing that for years. Yeah, yeah, and for and better so many and of those, for worse. Oh yeah, yeah, and and so many of those, you know, they were they were one hits or one hits. They were they were one seasons and and mm-hmm. that was it. Or they were announced and never ran. Um, but I I think I mentioned though to you before the other day that I we love American Ninja Warrior. Mm-hmm. Um, I it's just, we stumbled upon it a couple of years ago. And uh, it may, we may have been watching America's Got Talent, which is another one that we, we really got into. And it was like, hey, let's check this out. And I just thought it was amazing. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to embarrass you. Maybe. We'll see. But could you say the name of the show like the host? I, and I, his name slips my mind. But, you know. Matt Eisman. American Ninja Warrior. Can you do American that? Ninja Warrior. I mean, it, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things. Host deliveries. Host deliveries on camera are almost always amped up way bigger than anyone would ever say it in real life. Just, yeah. just great though in some ways. I mean, you, you, you end up exaggerating delivery a lot of the time. But dude, Matt and Matt and Akbar, they are they they are amped up whenever they're on camera. So it it is whenever whenever i'm cutting a tease whenever i'm cutting a piece that involves voiceover and whether it's matt him matt's tracks himself or or a producer doing temp tracks it's always and we'll see that next time or it's coming up on american ninja warrior this is that whole gravelly thing it's it it is what it is (laughs) i uh i remember so uh, another uh um show that that my wife and i've watched every season of inc- from the first one on is survivor um okay just big so- it's one of those shows you couldn't pay me to do but, but i oh. like and it was like i forgot how many seasons in but i was i was uh, saw an interview with jeff Probst, and he said you know it was like five episodes five seasons in or whatever it was before he realized he he didn't have to always say next time on survivor he said he looked at the producers yeah. and like, you've you've got it. I'm not going to say that every time. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So let me let me ask you a, a question. How did you get into editing and the media business and everything? Like, how did you start out? I started by running out of money in film school. I had oh. to drop out of college, and it w- what had happened was I I grew up mostly doing music. And when I got into, you know, I, I started playing piano when I was five. I figured that was going to be the thing that I did for the rest of my life because my whole family is musical. Um, you know, Barch's going back generations are all about the music. And so that was just my thing. I figured I was going to do that. And then I got into video production in high school. Uh, I was in a tiny high school. I figured, and I was the only one who cared. So I had to be the one man band. And I out that the music and the editing, well, the, the music and the shooting came together in the editing process. And I loved just where that all came together. So I started learning about that in high school, went to my first years of college, double majoring in Bible studies and music composition of all things. Wow. And then uh, I wanted to transfer to film school because I wanted to get back into video because I remember doing that and loving it so much in high school. So I transferred to film school in Los Angeles and was only there on my own nickel for a semester and a half. And my nickel ran out and I had to drop mm. out of college. Wow. And thankfully, 
I had worked my tail off with any kind of project I could, I could get my hands on helping out any film project that, that came onto, that came onto campus, anything I could do. So I busted my tail and everyone in the film department had been taking notice. And the head of the film department said, dude, we're really bummed that you can't stay, but here are some phone numbers of some people that you need to call. And one of them, one of them ended up being the guy who, at the time, he needed an assistant editor, an assistant avid editor to help out on the night shift of a TV show that he was post-supervising. And I didn't know the avid at the time. Mm. And he said, but I said, but I'd love to learn. And he said, well, if you want to learn, then come in Friday and Sunday nights and we'll, and you can hang out with one of our, with our lead assistant and you can learn. So that's what I did. I was this college dropout and I was taking any gig I could get just to keep my rent paid. And for Friday and Sunday nights, I went in starting at 10, at 10 PM and going until like two or three in the morning, Wow! shoving tapes into these, into these, into these tape decks to do digitizing for the, for the Avid, learning how that worked. And I later found out that I just kind of blew everyone's mind by continuing to show up at all. So there's the, the definitely something to be said for showing up but and you know, continuing. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I want to touch on this too, because I think a lot of folks, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to sound like the old fart in the room or on, on, on the show, but it, I think there's a lot of times where folks just feel like, you know, I just do one thing, it goes viral and that's it. You know? Right. Um, well, you know, I've, I've posted two videos on YouTube and I don't have a lot of views. Why not? And right. it's like, you know, you touched upon something though, to me that it's, it's so basic. I mean, I, I've impressed this upon my kids is like, just show up. I know when yeah. I was hiring folks, um, when I was the creative director, a lot of times I, I would, I was, I would lean more toward the initiative than the actual talent. Mm-hmm. So, so talk a little bit more about just, I mean, it, it, you can call it a superpower, but I think anybody could do this. The importance of just showing up and how, how well, why is that so important? You know, I think there are a lot of people, I, I, I believe there's a shift in mindset over time. And I mean, if you talk to my parents, and the people of the boomer generation, there is this mentality of you no, just this, you, you don't get to deserve to have jobs that you love, that fulfill. You work because that's what you do and you show up and you, and you don't whine and you work for the weekend and hopefully you have something that, that you love on the weekend. And, and that's, you know, that, that's not a direct, that's not a direct hand down from my parents. I will say right. that. Um, and I will say that's, that's kind of the vibe that I pick up from just overall culture, American culture. And then as generations progress, you get more people saying, I'm a special snowflake. I deserve yeah. everything that is the best because I am breathing oxygen at this moment. And... <laughs> And the fact of the matter is, it doesn't, it, 
Yeah. No one ever develops skills of significance without putting in repetitions. You can't yeah. go into the gym and lift a ridiculous amount of weight unless you start at some point with just the bar. Yeah. You got to put in the you got to put in the reps yeah. when you're learning how to do anything and you have to fall down over and over. I mean, if you're wanting to learn how to do a sport, I mean, good grief, you're you're a kid and you want to learn how to walk. We would never we would never uh, fault a toddler for saying, how dare you not come sprinting the first time you try to walk? Well, no, that's not how it works. But the only way it happens is if you show up yeah. and you fall and you show up and you show up and you show up. So it's, I, I, I think it's an important idea that can be applied across the board in so many parts of life. Well, and I'm glad you shared how you started too, because I, I hope people don't just kind of glaze over that because had you thought, well, you know, I don't know, late night, really, you know, mm -hmm. or, or just kind of blown it off while you were there. My gut is the guy wouldn't have given you the phone numbers. He wouldn't have made the yeah. connection. It'd have been like, Hey, thanks for coming in. Well, so to back up from that, one of the reasons that I know, that I made an impression when during my brief time at film school was because I was asking for paying work because I knew I was running out of money. I ended up working three part-time jobs when I was in film school, plus a full load of classes as a production major, which meant that you had even more stuff to be doing um, beyond just the classroom. I mean, all the projects, you know? And so I was busting my tail off. And, and at the end of the time, I was so busy, I had no time to be lonely. And when I left, when I left school, it was you know, everyone that I knew was still there. And so I really didn't know all that many people. So what was I gonna do? Stay in my apartment and just twiddle my thumbs and <laughs> just watch watch movies and no, I, so it, it just made, to me, it just made sense. I mean, you have this opportunity to do this thing at this really high level. I mean, you, you good grief. I was, I was being given the opportunity to learn how to run the industry standard editing system yeah. in the storytelling capital of the world for free. Are you kidding me? Yes. I'm going to show up for that. <laughs> Absolutely. How, how many more nights do you need me? Yeah. Seriously. So, and oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, and, and, and because of that, because I showed up, I became the obvious choice mm. when the opportunity presented itself for a full-time position at that show as a daytime full-time assistant editor. And that's how I really got my foot in the door to establish my career. That was my first position as an assistant editor. I kicked butt there. I was promoted to lead to lead assistant editor. And because of that, I was able to do some extra projects that my supervising that, that my supervisor shuttled my way, some basic editing stuff. And he went to bat to me for, for me to the executive producers when there was a position open for a wow. full-time full editor. And they knew the executives knew that. Yeah, Jeff's a great assistant, but he, you know, he, he's an assistant. And I only found this out years later. My post supervisor said, this kid's got what it takes to do this. Mm -hmm. 
if he doesn't do it, I'll do it myself. Oh, wow. Man, he, the, yeah, so just having showed up, he, uh, that was something that meant that he ended up believing in me, and that's how I got my shot. And and uh, and I, for those of you listening, you, you you don't see you're getting emotional about it, but but yeah. I think that shows the power of somebody believing in you, which you know. And you and I have talked even even more recently about just how you know the, there's so many games us content creators can play with ourselves. Comparison, oh, yeah. you know, overcomplicating you know, does anything matter and things like that. But I got to tell you, if, you know, if you're watching and listening to this and you're in a position to help somebody, just even give them some confidence, not false mm. confidence like, like he did with you. It just means the world. Sometimes all it takes is one person going, you know, just keep going, keep trying. Mm -hmm. You know, I see something in you and, and mm. you may never know that seed planted, but mm. so... I'm glad you shared that. That is that is really cool. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've I, I don't know if I've ever told that story publicly before, but yeah, man, just that, just the, be and, and well, and, and that that encourages me to be that same kind of person. Yeah, to be the person who can speak into other people's lives, and you know, Jim Rohn, Jim Rohn's famous quote is, you know, you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And, you know, just that kind of an idea, I, I aspire to be that kind of person that someone would want to make mm. one of their five people to speak into their lives. Yeah, Ugh, that's 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 so good. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's talk about your 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 big thing, not the sure. thing under the thing. We'll get to that. Oh, the, the big thing <laughs> story. Greenlight. You're the founder of yeah. something called Story Greenlight. Sure. Share what that is and, and how it started. Sure. Story Greenlight is my online brand. It's the business that I've been building for, uh, for some years now. And it's, and, and frankly, it's the current iteration of everything I've been learning in business building and content creation all through all through what I've been doing in my time in LA, I was there for 20 years. And thanks to COVID life, uh, the things that everyone said we would never be able to do it remotely, it cannot be done. COVID said, well, figured out now because you're doing it remotely. And so I'm still doing some of that stuff. I'm, I'm still doing some of that stuff remotely. My focus is I'm wanting to empower people to tell their stories and to connect with their audience, to open up a new layer of impact in their content and in themselves and surround themselves in a community of people like them who are doing the, exactly that. So that's, that's what Story Greenlight is all about. And there are different ways that that plays out practically. I mean, I, I started out by having it be a YouTube channel and then you know, just a YouTube channel. And then I realized, well, if we want, if this, if, if I want this to be scalable and sustainable, then there needs to be business attached to it. So then I was, uh, I, you end up spending time learning more about business and focusing on that and realizing, well, just creating YouTube videos doesn't mean that you're building a business. Mm. A lot mm -hmm. of people don't know that, you know, 
but there's there's a lot that goes into building a sustainable business. Yeah. In addition to, in addition to creating content, but that's the mission of Story Greenlight is to empower content creators to level up their impact in their content and in themselves. So now, for for those maybe that are watching or listening to this that don't maybe know. And, and I'm going to take a leap here, kind of the, the, some of the terminology, mm -hmm. um, tell them why story green light, why, why? Cause you could say, well, that's kind of an odd name, but what does that really yeah. mean in terms of, of the, the business that, that you, that you're in? Sure. The, I, to be, to be frank, I don't even remember exactly why I chose the word story or, or other than the fact that that's one of the core things that right. I started talking about and I knew that it was an important thing and it still is. Um, but the idea of story in general, I've come to realize the more that I've studied and learned and taught and engaged with creators on it, storytelling is not just some kind of corporate buzzword. It's not some kind of hack thing that you do to say, oh, get more views by telling stories. No, this... This is something that is a really, really big deal when it comes to one human connecting with another human. This is a fundamental way that human beings connect with each other. And it, you know, it's, it's, a, it, it's one of the core ways that we perceive and understand new ideas. I mean, there's, you know, if you talk to certain neuroscientists, they will talk about our brains need things called mental models in, under, in order to understand anything, whether it's what is the concept of a chair, all the way up to what does it mean to fall in love or be in love, anything in between. We have to have a model of what that is and what that means. And then once you have a model, you actually have to have what we call instances. You have to have examples from real life to say, okay, this is what a chair looks like. This other thing looks kind of weird and different, but it still serves the same function. So my brain says, well, this is another instance of a chair. And then you get all the different examples of, you know, life experiences and falling in love and being dumped and falling out of love and just all, all that stuff. But one of the in most incredible things about stories is it gives you access to other mental models and instances that mm -hmm. we never have opportunities to experience ourselves. And people say you have to walk a mile in others' shoes, in someone else's shoes. Well, it's almost impossible to do that if you don't have any idea what it's like to be in their shoes. And that's why storytelling is mm -hmm. so incredibly in, is so incredibly powerful. So that's one of the concepts right there in terms of what story is and why it's such a big deal. This is not just a YouTube thing. This is not just an online thing. This is a human beings communicating and connecting with other human beings. And this will be, continue through any platform that will ever be invented through any metaverse that people can ever imagine or dream up, this is a big deal. So there's that. But also back to your earlier question about green light, story green light, the term green light refers to permission and empowerment. Mm. And uh, it's most people 
hear the term green light in terms of business or more often in Hollywood where storytellers or content creators come to these big studios and say, hey, we have this story, we got this idea, we got this movie, we got this series, we want to do this thing. Please, would you give us the resources and access to your platform so that we can tell our stories and you can spread it out around the world on your platform, whether that's a TV network, whether it's a streaming network, a, a streaming platform like Netflix or fill in the blank, or it's a movie studio yeah. with, 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 with whatever arms of distribution that they might have. And so it's always been that people would come to Hollywood and they would ask for this green light and they would need third party permission. They would mm. need permission from a gatekeeper. And the fact of the matter is these days, there is no longer a need for a third party gatekeeper to say, yes, you are allowed to do this. We That's no longer true. have to ask for permission. We get to give ourselves the green light for this kind of thing. So that's what Story Greenlight is about. It's communication, human connection, but it's also about empowerment and letting people and raising people up to speak their message into the world. So powerful. So let's talk about something then, and, and folks may have already witnessed this. This may be the first time I, I found you is the thing under the thing. And okay. I know there was a video, and I'm, I'm going to link up all this in the description. There was a video that, that Cody Wayner mm -hmm. did, uh, great guy, great vlogger, where he went to L.A. and you guys hung out for a little bit. And then Peter McKinnon, who, who picked up on that. But give us a little idea of what this the thing under the thing means. Sure. In a nutshell, we can... Whenever we experience a piece of content or a story and we feel something internally as a reaction, every single time that happens, it means that there is something going on under the surface that is deeper than what we're just seeing on the surface. So uh, if we want to do something, you know, I, I always use the idea of the iceberg you see the tip of the iceberg on the surface, you know, above the surface of the water, but then there's all the rest of this underneath it. That's the bulk of the iceberg that is underneath the surface. And that's where the weight and all the, the, the real mass and the staying power and the impact of that iceberg comes from. And so when you, when you compare that with content, you know, so that, for instance, that video, when Cody came out to Hollywood and we were walking up and down the streets of Hollywood, you know, we were, he, he showed the sidewalk that we were walking on and it was the Hollywood Walk of Fame and it had, it's the one with the stars in the sidewalk. And so I was talking about how this, on the surface of it, this is just a sidewalk with decorations in it. That's, that's what's on the surface. That's what we would refer to as the thing. But that sidewalk is a really big deal for a lot of people. Yeah. Because, and, and, but, and so you start thinking about why is that sidewalk such a big deal? Because it is a symbol. So much of this is about symbolism, which connects something to a deeper idea. And that's really what the thing under the thing is. You have this sidewalk on the streets of, of downtown Hollywood, but what that represents is people 
who reached extraordinary heights within the worlds of recording and television and film and became stars. They became famous. So it, it can speak to aspirations. It can speak mm. to dreams, wanting something, wanting to have a message or becoming a star or something like that. And it can also speak, depending on who you are and where you are in your life, it can also speak, I don't have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And then mm. what does that mean for me? Oh, boo hoo. You know, you can, you can start going down that kind of rabbit hole and you can right. attach that same sidewalk to a completely different set of ideas. And there are a lot of people who come to Hollywood with a dream of making it big and they don't make it and they leave. And so for many people, that same exact sidewalk with those same decorations on it doesn't represent stardom. It represents broken dreams. So the idea of the thing under the thing is how can we as creators take the surface elements, what we're talking about and connect those to ideas that our audience already cares about. Because if we can connect our content to things that our audience already cares about, mm. they, the audience, will automatically care about us, the creator. You think it's a good idea to have your audience like you and care about you and want more of your content? This is how you do it. So good. So good. And, and for anybody watching or listening to this, if you haven't seen the video uh, that, that Cody did and then Peter and then you did as well, um, all those will be linked. They're, they're, they're great. There's, there's a line that Cody says, and I want to ask you about this, where he, he says, mm -hmm. and I wrote it down, that, that he talks about the you know Hollywood and dreamers. And so what I wondered is to you, is there a difference between dreams and goals? That's a very good question. Thanks. I wrote is it down because I, I knew I wouldn't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> is there a difference between dreams and goals? Well, on the surface of it, I would say it, it well, it, it is definitely up to the person. Mm -hmm. it, you know, we say beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So, the meaning, it, just the whole idea of the thing under the thing and, and different, just in general, it's, it's an offer of connection. It's whatever we attach to it. So within the context of this question here, is there a difference between dreams and goals? Yes, depending on who you are and what you attach to that. I mean, my gut reaction personally is that goals seem to be more finite. Mm. They have the they have the possibility. They're more likely to be finite, whereas a dream, that's more bucket list. Blue sky, open fields, who knows what's possible, kind of a thing. Yeah. And there are people who make those two ideas synonymous, and there are people who say that they they, they take they take a, a goal, and they can just make it something just kind of ordinary, everyday kind of a thing. But man, dreams are a big deal, dude. Oh yeah. That's, I, I mean, just, just even sitting here thinking about it, I'm, I'm feeling stuff. Just, I, I'm, I'm feeling things just thinking about that word, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, and because you, when you say the word dreams, you think about the people who supported your dreams and you think of the people who have 
uh, who have stomped on your dreams and said that your dreams will never come true. And it's just, oh, that's some deep, deep stuff there. Yeah. 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 Well, I, it's I, probably I a reason they call it dream works and not goal works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, well, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the liberty of putting that back in your court. I mean, what do you think is the difference between the two? You know, it's funny because I, there was a, a friend of mine, it was a, a pretty prominent DJ years ago in, in Nashville, Tennessee, my hometown. And mm -hmm. he made the comment once and it's, I've kind of clung to that. He said, I don't, I don't make goals because if I make goals, I feel a pressure. And if I don't hit that goal, then, you know, was I a failure and all this? He said, but if I have dreams, mm -hmm. then the dreams can become big and they can change and they can evolve. And then maybe if I don't quite get the dream when I thought I would, it's still there. And I thought, Ooh, I like that. Yeah. And, and I, I tend you know, I've, I've never done the, the new year's resolution thing because I just, I'm just not into that. Plus I like eating a lot of sweets right after the first of the year. So mark that <laughs> one off the list. Um, and the goals thing, you know, I, I, I have a do list. I stopped calling it a to do list. It was a mental thing that if I say do list, it's things that I want to do, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I yet still do that. But yeah, to me, dreams, it's just, and, and I think that's why when, when Cody said that, and then you mentioned it with, with the, the Hollywood walk, it's, it's like, yeah, I mean, follow dreams and chasing dreams just seems to me something I can relate to than goals. Goals just yeah. seem so businessy to me and dreams seem more something that content creators can just grasp onto and, and, and live to, and then share, share your dreams. When mm -hmm. somebody goes, Hey, can I share my goals with you? Yeah, you can. sounds like a meeting. If they go, Hey, can I share some dreams I've got? Ooh, now oh, it's almost tell like me on a more. more intimate level. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, and, and I, I would go so far as to say that I believe creators often settle for shooting for goals when they would be far better served to shoot for dreams instead mm. of goals. You know, fine. It, so if you're a YouTube creator and you want to get a hundred thousand and, and you, and you want to get a silver play button by getting a hundred thousand subscribers. Well, there are ways that you can do that. There are ways that you can do that by, you know, there, there are, there, there are a number of established experts saying this is the path to do this to yeah. get picked up by the algorithm. So lots of people will get your stuff. Lots of people will subscribe, but good grief. Is it really, but, but are you doing content that lights you up? Yeah. And are, do you really have the motivation to do this? Because content creation is hard. Yes. I mean, it is easy. It, it, it is easier than ever before to start and to do, but it is hard to continue and to maintain at any standard of excellence. Yeah. And you have to have a reason for why that you're for why you're doing that. So, I mean, if your if your goal is to get a silver play button, and you know that the the hottest thing on the internet is cat videos, and <laughs> and so you just collect all the cat videos and you get your silver play button. But is that really lighting you up? Yeah. You may not even like cats, <laughs> but you have your play button. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and then What's you the get point? out of it as a dog lover and it just all is over. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is what is your advice for somebody just starting out as a content creator? You know, this is a really good segue. I I think the I, I think the big thing that people need to really give a lot of consideration to is given that it is easier than ever before to start being a content creator and to put content out there but that it has always been difficult to continue doing that and to actually stay the course and to do it at any level of excellence, whatever you define that as. You need to know why you're doing this. You need to start with a really, really strong motivation. And, and I will say, I I don't hear a lot of people talk about this and this might th this might poke at some people. You and I are both followers of Jesus and mm -hmm. one of the big things that Jesus said was I have not come here to be served but to serve. Yeah. So a lot of people say this is about being of service of about giving to others. What happens is though there're a lot of people who say, okay, well, this is what I need to be doing. I need to give, I need to give, I need to give, I need to serve, I need to serve, I need to serve. And what happens? You are dry. You have nothing left to give. And so I think what a lot of people don't pay a lot of attention to is the need for self-serving motivations. Mm. And that's, a not, that's not a popular thing for a lot of people. They say, oh, well, that sounds selfish. No, that's called self-preservation yeah that's called if you don't do this if you don't get something in it for you ultimately well eventually you will end out of juice to be able to serve other people yeah true it's it's the same idea in terms of you know if the airplane is crashing and the air and the oxygen masks fall down well they say they always say put on your own oxygen mask first so you can help others and so when we apply this idea to motivation if one is just starting out as a creator, I would urge you to say, what is something that I love that helps me as the creator? Because you will need that. You will need that to keep feeding you and to keep motivating you so that you can be of service to others. Thoughts on that? Yeah, so good. No, I, 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 I agree. I, I agree. I, I think... You know, it's, I think even in being a content creator, there, there's pieces I've put out there just because I, I felt called to do it. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's easy to chase the algorithm. Mm -hmm. It's easy. I think you need to know kind of the rules and then realize what, what your place is in there as well. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I, I think too many people overthink it. And even if you want to build a business, you know, people have to want what you're selling. They have to want have to feel like, I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day, they didn't, they, they ended up not becoming a client, but mm -hmm. as we were talking, he goes, you know, I really feel like you, you want to help us grow our business. That's a huge compliment. I mean, yeah. you know, why we didn't work together. I don't know. But at the same time, the fact that he felt that because I do, you know, if I'm just in there just selling a package, well then I, you know, the next guy coming in, well, he, you know, then it's price thing, but yeah, it's, I, I, I love what you said though about, 
about the service, but yet it's that balance, you know, mm -hmm. just give it all away for free. But at the same time, you still have needs, but it's that balance. Yeah. 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 I mean, and when, when you do that, so I, I, I probably a, a corollary to that, I would say is we need to lean into our own strengths mm -hmm. because we all have our own unique strengths. It is really tempting as content creators to try to be established, to, to try to be knockoffs or copies oh, yeah. of established creators. And I'm not here, I'm not here to say that there's no room for being inspired by established creators. There's definitely a place for that. The thing is, in a world where, oh, oh, I just said it. It's like, in a world. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time that line, when was the last time that line was legitimately dropped in a movie trailer? Was it 10 years ago, 15 maybe. years ago? Yeah, maybe. maybe. So yeah. anyway, I digress. So, but in, in a world where a, I can't even say that without grinning now. Isn't that funny? Yeah, so these days when anyone can be a content creator, mm -hmm. I, you know, we, we can't just be a, coppin, a carbon copy of someone else. Otherwise, yeah. it's, there, there's nothing for us to stand out yeah. in that process. There's nothing yeah. that makes us unique, nothing that makes us stand out. Yeah. And so when you figure out what your own fingerprint is as a content creator, what your strengths are, what you're good at, and what you don't need to be good at, um, that's really something that will help you escape the trap of trying to be someone that you're not. Yeah. Yeah. Casey Neistat actually did a great video. I don't know how many years ago it was about how to vlog. And mm -hmm. it was like, like kind of how to vlog like Casey Neistat. And at the end of it, he says something to the effect of now, if you follow all of these steps, all of these things I just showed you and you do it like me, then you won't be any good because you don't need to be like me. No. And I wonder how many people caught that, you know, uh, cause I've told people before that, you know, if don't try and be Casey Neistat because right. I'll watch Casey, I won't watch you be you, mm -hmm. but learn from Casey. If, if that's, you know, that's who you want to learn from. So yeah, good stuff. Okay. So we've come to the part of the show where I, where we have some fun. It's a little game called Over Under. I'm going to ask you five things, and you tell me whether you think they're overrated or underrated. And there's no prizes. There's no money on the table. Um, you, can, you can make these goals or dreams. I'll give you that permission. It doesn't matter. I just threw that out Okay. Um, but here we go. You ready? All right. Overrated or underrated? Hollywood. I would, I would say it's overrated and becoming more so. Is this where, do, do we, uh, do, do, do I just give a, just, oh, no. a, a, just you, an no, answer you, you gotta, or, do, or do I have to explain? completely explain your answer. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know what? That, that Hollywood loves itself. Hollywood has loved itself for a very long time. And for a very long time, Hollywood was the only game in town. It is no longer in the, the only game in town. We as content creators 
now have the opportunity to be our own version of Hollywood. Mm. We do not have to be Hollywood. We just need to be the upgraded version of ourselves. And that was a mistake that I made for a long time. I was sitting in my edit bays in Los Angeles saying, oh, I've learned so many things. So many people should listen to me and what I've learned in Hollywood because they want to be like me and like Hollywood. No, they don't. It took a long time for me to figure that out. But the fact is people don't want to be Hollywood. They want to be an upgraded version of themselves. Mm. And what they people love about Hollywood is how Hollywood tells stories and how Hollywood transports them and how Hollywood makes them feel things. Yeah. We can do that now ourselves. And that's what you and I are helping people do. I love that. Uh, overrated, underrated, 80s rock. <laughs> you know, I would say it's underrated mainly because I have very little overall exposure to it. Mm. I grew up in a pop culture consciousness void in the 1980s, having grown up in the Midwest U.S. and a very conservative Christian upbringing. It was a very black and white world where either music was Christian or music was of the devil. <laughs> and so it, and, and, and it didn't matter. I mean, and, and even just saying that right now, I don't know that that's even fair to mm. my upbringing specifically because people didn't necessarily say that outright, but that was very much the impression that I was, that I got. So I mean, come on, at this point, how many people can be in a crowd and Journey comes on and, and everyone stops, starts belting out, don't stop believing? <laughs> you think there's something in there that speaks to the human spirit? Heck yeah. So 80s rock underrated, at least from my upbringing. And I'm, I'm still learning a lot, a lot about it. So good stuff. So segueing into that, the next thing I was going to ask you, overrated, underrated, satellite radio. How do I say whether it's overrated or underrated? I, I've never used it. Mm. I've never seen a need for it. So I don't know whether that means that I think it's overrated or underrated. It's just never been on my radar. I don't, and, and I don't, I mean, maybe it's this crazy Maybe it's this crazy movement that millions and millions and millions of people are using and it's growing by leaps and bounds, or maybe it's dying. I don't know. What's happening? Do you know? No, I mean, I, I used to say I would never, ever pay for radio, ever. Okay. And then uh, we went on a long trip and I paid for it and thought, wow, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> but uh, I go back and forth on it. So, um, all right. All right. Next, overrated, underrated, TikTok. I think TikTok is underrated mm. because there are a lot of people who don't understand that it's not just about teens dancing to pop music anymore. TikTok's numbers are rising and a lot of the users of TikTok are not tweens and teens and 20-somethings. There are a lot of people over those age brackets who are discovering that short-form video is a legitimate way of communicating with a crowd. Now, one can make the argument that TikTok is, is, is one of the forces 
shrinking our collective attention spans by just saying, just like, okay, three second video, five second video, 10 second video, one minute video, three second video, click, 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 click. Yeah. But I mean, that's a whole separate discussion. But overall, I would say TikTok is underrated and becoming less and less underrated every day. All right. And our last one, overrated, underrated, the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns. The poor Browns. <laughs> oh. I will say, again, with my, uh, again, with just the way my life has unfolded, I've always sucked at sports. And because of that, I don't really follow sports. However, I do know that sports build tribes and they build followings and the Cleveland Browns have a, one of the most loyal followings I know of. If you show up to Brown stadium on game day, you will see the most ridiculous spread of tailgating. And I'm talking people, people modify their trucks and their campers and they park and they camp out and they save spots in the parking lot for days ahead of time, and they they grill filet mignon in the parking lot on game day because that's how big a deal this is. I've been to some of these tailgates, and they're pretty insane. So the Cleveland Browns, I would say they're underrated in terms of the general public's understanding of how tight the community can be. Excellent. Excellent. Well, and you know what? Even if they don't win, you may get a filet mignon. So hey, well, there you go. <laughs> Jeff, this has absolutely been a, a, a delight. How can people watching or listening to this connect with you? First place to go is storygreenlight.com. You can find Story Greenlight on YouTube. Um, you will uh, you, you can find the YouTube version of the podcast there. You can find Story Greenlight on any podcast platform that's out there. And uh, otherwise, if you want to connect, go to storygreenlight.com and you can get on the emailing list. You can get, you can get, uh, we, we have uh, free creative coaching that goes out every week, all kinds of extra goodies that happens there. So that's where to find me. That's good stuff. Thank you so much for being on here. Absolutely, man. All right, you guys need to make sure you are following Jeff, connecting with him. Again, everything he mentioned will be in the description, whether you're watching this video-wise or listening to it, but connect with him so good, and along with those other videos we talked about. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's it's so good. And honestly, I love his stuff because it, it sometimes for me, it breaks kind of the traditional YouTube stuff. So anyway, leave a comment, tell me what you think, and uh, and we'll do this again. How about that? So thank you so much for watching or listening, subscribe, leave a comment, whatever you want to do. I'm Kevin Colby. Remember to keep using your gifts and make an impact on the world. We'll talk next time. Bye.